so if, if my math is right, this is my 18th sermon here at St. Luke's. It seems like two weeks ago was our first Sunday together, um, but congratulations, you've made it through about 18 of my sermons, so that's really good. Um, a, about three, two, three times a year, it's, it's really kind of good for me to step away from the pulpit and for you to hear another voice. And so uh, next week that's going to happen. Um, and uh, Susanna Carr is going to be our preacher next Sunday. Susanna is on staff at Galloway. She is an amazing preacher. She has a very powerful st- personal story. She may or may not share that. Um, but I certainly encourage you to, to come next week and invite somebody. Uh, I know that she's going to do a great job. And uh, I really appreciate Galloway loaning her to us for a Sunday uh, so that I can take a little Sabbath uh, day or two of rest and and get back recharged. Um, But I'm very excited about what we're going to be focusing on these next few weeks. Uh, The the series is is called Beneath the Surface. And it comes out of a book that, uh, that I read uh, about six months ago that has really changed the way I see what it means to make disciples, what it means to make disciples. I think after talking to Chuck maybe a few months ago, y'all might have done some Disciple Like Jesus. A lot of Methodist churches in the conference, we were, we were doing Disciple Like Jesus. This is a, a perfect sequel uh, to that, and... Um, and it, it, you don't have to buy the book. Um, I don't get any. I don't get anything from it. But uh, you could go to Amazon if you wanted to and and read this book. But he says it a lot better than I'm going to say it. Um, but I'm going to try to stay close to some of his very important points about it. Anybody go through the disciple Bible study? Did anybody do that? Raise your hand if you went through that. So in about 1986, that really made a big impact on not only the United Methodist Church, but a lot of other churches in the country. I mean, I really think that this could make that kind of impact. And in fact, in 2023, uh, we'll go through this together. Those of you who want to continue the journey, we'll do more than go through the book. He has a, uh, an eight-week course on this, and I promise you, you'll, you'll glean so much uh, from that. Um, my hope is, uh, is that the ideas in his book and that his book might have an impact on us. Um, it's called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. You remember last week when a child put the sign of the cross on your hand and said, be healed in the name of Jesus Christ? Healthy discipleship, right? The church, after the pandemic has changed, maybe permanently in a lot of ways. And I believe how we equip people for discipleship, that needs to change too. Because we live in a very different world in a lot of ways. So I want you to hear me out. I'm just going to share for a few minutes before we take communion uh, what that journey is going to look like here in the next five weeks for us. I've had people ask me, Bruce, what's your vision for the church? That's a good question. What is your vision for the church? And my vision for us is exactly what Jesus' vision was for his disciples, right? That is what Anne just read. 
My vision is that we are full of people who are not afraid to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourself. That is it. That is the bottom line, shall we say, right? Jesus begins to talk uh, with the lawyer and is asked, what is the most important commandment? He gives not one but two. He pulls one from uh, Deuteronomy, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's in Deuteronomy 6, the Shema, or the Hear, O Israel. The second one is in Leviticus that Jesus pulls from, love your neighbor as yourself. You'll remember that a few weeks ago I actually preached on Luke's version of this text. And I said then this, the heart of God is all about loving God and your neighbor. Love God, love your neighbor, nothing else matters. That's it. Love God, love your neighbor, nothing else matters. Style of music, important, right? Quality of music, important. We're lucky, right? How many people come to worship? Okay, that's important. We need to grow, keep inviting people, keep keep contributing and making this a place of where the Holy Spirit can, can take hold of our hearts and do some things that we never dreamed. The church building, this building is, I believe, uh, not quite 100 years old, somewhere around 100, I think 1929. This building, by the way, this sanctuary was built the first year of the Great Depression. Um, the building burned down and... Uh, and 364 days later, you're sitting in what they did the first year of the Great Depression. That window, the back window of the phoenix of the eagle rising from the ashes is the first window they put in to this building. And then in 1949, the last stained glass window is right behind me, the risen Christ. Building's important. It says a lot about who we are. We're surrounded by architecture that causes us to look up and to look toward God. And that's important. But what matters most to me, to this church, and most importantly to Jesus, is what we center, is, what, is that we center our lives around loving God and loving our neighbors. And guess what? You know the bad news about that? It's humanly impossible. Humanly impossible. We can't achieve this left to our own devices. St. Luke's needs three things to pull this off. We need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's active presence in our lives. You'll, you'll notice that we do slightly different creeds. There are about 10 or 11 creeds in the back of our hymn book, and, and we go through them. They all say really beautiful, beautiful things that the Holy Spirit is God's active presence in our lives. God's got to crack in and to intervene and to rearrange some furniture in our lives for us to be able to fully love God in our neighbor. Second thing we need is authentic spiritual community. Nobody follows Jesus alone. We follow Jesus together. You may, uh, of course, you make the decision for yourself, but you're going to need other people. Community. And then the third thing we need is a method or a practice, a discipline. Searching the scriptures, praying, taking communion, 
serving other people, all the things. We need all, all of those. But how do we do that in a healthy way? You know, there's probably an, there is an unhealthy way to make disciples. I mean, maybe I could just scare you into it, maybe. It's probably the shortcut way, you know. But the good way, the deep way, is to create the kind of space at St. Luke's to expose us all to the grace of God so that we're changed from the inside out and we feel something healthy in us. The, the healthy way, a lot of times, is to let go of things that are getting in our way. I love what the choir is saying. Sometimes we do addition by subtraction. Sometimes we let, need to let go of the distractions. I think that was in our, our, our choir, our, our theme today in our anthem. Sometimes we, we make it about too much. And then we forget what to keep the main thing, the main thing. The main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. Let me share with you one statistic that should really startle you. One-fourth of Americans in 2022, one of every four Americans made a New Year's resolution to improve their mental health this year. One in four. And that tells you something about what we all went through. Listen to this statistic. This is from the American Psychiatric Association. Also, one in four people who seek mental health concerns will turn to a church member or a faith leader before they seek help from a clinical professional. Okay? The church, we have a healing role to play. People who walk through these doors are wounded. And they wonder in their minds when they walk through these doors or any doors whether anybody cares. Visitors think about two things, what I'm told. That is, do they take Jesus seriously? And does anybody care? Right? One in four. And what Scazzaro says so beautifully in this book is that you can't share what you don't have. I mean, if, if we want other people to get healthy, guess what that means about us? we got to get healthy. We've got to let, let God kick over a few tables in our lives. And let, I'm not staring at you, Helen, because you need to do Helen, no, I'm not saying that. I keep thinking about the anthem. She probably thinks, what is wrong with me, Bruce? I mean, I, no, no. <laughs> we gotta get, we got to get healthy because you can't share what you don't have. It's just impossible. What do they say when you get on a plane? Who's, when's the last time you got on a plane? So you got those flight attendants, and they're doing this. They're doing the click thing, and it drops, and then somebody's talking, right? In case of emergency and you need oxygen, when, the, when it drops, put it on yourself first before you put it on your child. If we want people to get healthy, we've got to get healthy ourselves. We need the Holy Spirit, authentic community, and dive deeply into the disciplines and be practicers of the faith. Not just people who share the same opinion or the same doctrine or the same theology, but that we practice together this thing called the Christ-filled life inside out. So that's what 
I'm planning over the next five Sundays. You know it's like the devil's in the details. So what does it mean to get healthy? What does it mean to love God and neighbor? Well, there's some subtle things sometimes that we can teach as a church that sort of go counterproductive to what it means to follow Jesus more closely. This guy, Peter Scazzaro, is a Pentecostal preacher in Queens, New York. And uh, he leads a multi-ethnic church, people from all different ethnic groups and languages and countries. You can imagine Queens, New York, how diverse it is. And that church actually looks like the community. And when I learned about his understanding of Christian discipleship and how he believes he got it wrong for about 20 years. So he started teaching it in a different way. And, and people started really feeling like they were growing and doing something about their own faith. That light bulb turned on for him and he wrote this book. His work really changed my understanding of discipleship so, so radically that it just really shifted my understanding of what it means to be a disciple it's like he was speaking my language, but in a language I'd never heard before. And that's what I can't wait to share with you these next few weeks. Here's the pre- premise. We cannot be spiritually mature if we are not emotionally healthy. Let me say that one more time. <laughs> we cannot be spiritually mature if we're not emotionally healthy. We're going to send, uh, Karen doesn't even know this, but I'm going to ask Karen, our communications uh, guru, to send you a video of one of his presentations. And uh, so you'll get that in an email this week. And just take some time and listen to what Peter says. It, it's, going to, it's going to hit you right in the middle of the heart. We can be successful church of a lot of things. We can have the most beautiful building, the best choir, And we can have all the things in the world, but if we don't get this right, we've missed it, right? Jesus said, what will it profit us if we gain the entire world, but we lose our souls? We're here doing our own soul work together. The vision is to love God, love your neighbor, and our mission, of course, is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. I think the United Methodist Church has always said for the transformation of the world. Here's what I like even better than that. I'm not saying mine is better, but I like making disciples of Jesus Christ for the healing of the world. That all people might know that they can be healed. I'm not talking about the absence of illness, although hopefully that, that could happen. I'm talking about the presence of a power that is greater than our dis-ease and our anxiety. How do we do this? effectively he's going to challenge us today to reconsider our strategies and how we do it right how do we intentionally help people grow the the first model for a long time was the attractional method man if we can just get people to come and uh go for felt needs and hey what what is this family needing let's do this let's build this let's do that let's offer let's entertain whatever we got to do to get them here and That's not how Jesus did it. Discipleship is not about numbers. It's about people. Jesus didn't build a big building. What did he do? He recruited a thousand disciples? No, 12, right? And it says in the the, the Gospels that really only got real close to three of them. Twelve people trained. He lived with them for three years and then their life changed. It took them a while, just like us. It took, it took them a while 
to figure it out, but they did, and they started doing the things that he did. The Holy Spirit came. Our greatest contribution right now that any of us can make is to remember that we are a model and that you may be the only Bible that somebody reads this week at the grocery store, at the ball game. It was easy to be a Christian this week, wasn't it? If you're a State or Ole Miss fan. I don't know. Southern was off. Um, you know, um, I even think Millsaps won. They beat Sewanee. That was a big victory. But what do you look like to the world on your bad day or on a difficult day? How do you suffer when it's kind of like a bad day? What kind of Bible are they reading in you? And that's, man, that's a hard question to ask, and I'm asking of myself. But you may be the only Bible that somebody else reads. What kind of Bible are they reading in you? Are we emotionally healthy disciples? So I've got a homework assignment for you. And it's, it's in the back. It's on that back table as you leave out. Um, I made a copy. It's both sides. It's one page. It won't, it'll take you five minutes to fill it out, and you're not turning it in for grading, so don't worry about that. It's really between you and God. I want you to keep it. But it's ten factors, ten things that, um, that it asks you, and it asks you to be very honest to yourself and to God about how, where are you right now on a scale of one to ten. And I want you to grab it because, and I want you to do it this week. Take your time on it, spend it, and look, if you're struggling in some area, don't fret, but be honest to yourself. We're going to hit on all ten of those in the next five or six weeks. But I want you to do it. Will you please do that? You can fold it up, put it in your Bible, or put it in a devotional book, and just hold on to it because at the, um, down the line, um, after we've learned a few things, maybe you'll see some of those numbers grow and some things, some things happen. Um, here's what Peter Scazzaro says in his book that I love, and this, this is, you'll like this. He says, An emotionally healthy disciple slows down to be with Jesus, goes beneath the surface of their life to be deeply transformed by Jesus, and offers their life as a gift to the world for Jesus. I'll write that down later for you, and we'll include that quote too, but those three things, if you'll just remember those three things and then fill out that and then listen to it. At our, um, when we opened up worship, we recited Psalm 1. It's an ancient prayer. And the prayer was, God put me beside the, the waters so that my roots might grow, deep, that I, grow deep, that I might be a healthy tree by the waters. So you're going to see this model this beautiful, um, and thanks Beverly, you'll see this tree of this oak tree. You know, these big, beautiful oak trees that survived Hurricane Katrina, right? It's because they had these deep roots and they went way down. And some of them, if they grow close enough, the roots actually hold on to each other. Because there is a lot more to you than what people can see above the surface. There's something beneath the surface of you that I think Jesus wants to work on and strengthen and deepen. And it takes time. And it's not flashy work. And it's not going to take three weeks to do. It takes a lifetime. But once, once the light bulb goes off, 
your roots will slowly but surely get strong and grow deep. And you'll turn into the person that God has called you to be. It says you'll know them by their fruits. Jesus said that. And the fruits of the Holy Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the Bible that I hope people read when they see your life at work. I pray in St. Luke's that other people will see people sold out to love God and neighbor. Let the rest fall where it may. Let love be our God. That we might be so rooted in the essence of the gospel that we'll become like trees planted by the streams of water which bears fruit at just the right time and whose leaves never fade. I end with this as we prepare to break bread. It was on Twitter. In a world where so many are striving to be the Disney World Church, let us strive to be a Fred Rogers Church. Let's be a church for the neighbor. And let's love God and love our neighbor and let the chips fall where they may. So be it. And so it is. Amen. I invite you to turn to page 12 for our invitation and confession. We will again sing um, the great thanksgiving. Uh, just know that Whatever the choir is singing is what you're singing, and it's very easy to sing. I uh, want to remind you that this table doesn't belong to any of us. This is the table of Christ, and all who respond to God's grace are welcome to come. When you come, directed by the ushers, kneel down, stay as long as you like. Uh, if you want to be served, place your hands out like that. That way we'll know to serve you, and we won't over-serve you, <laughs> serve you too many times. Um, but stay as long as you like, and you can return to your seat. Page 12. Christ our Lord invites to this ta His table all who love Him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you and also with you lift up your hearts we
the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the highest. I guess. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death and made with us a new covenant by water and the spirit. On the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, 